Welcome to episode 19 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. He's Lapore. I'm Bruno. Thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. If you're a new listener, we would really appreciate it if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple. And if you're watching on YouTube, it would be a big-time help. If you smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, and ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. All right, so as of Sunday, May 16th, 2021, the Leafs have finished the regular season with the sixth best record in the NHL, finishing with 77 points in 56 games. They are getting set to play the Montreal Canadiens in the first round of the playoffs beginning on May 20th. So we are going to go over the final week of the season for the Leafs and give you our thoughts and opinions on everything that went down with this team. And then we are going to get into some playoff previews and predictions. It's going to be a great show. But before we do all that, it is time to welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lepore. How are you doing, man? Anthony Bruno, I'm doing well. It's a, a sunny Sunday in the nation's capital, which means I have strict orders from my wife to mow the lawn and clean the dog poop off the deck. Hashtag marriage, everyone. Uh, playoffs. Playoffs are here for episode 19. And uh, a lot of Maple Leafs have worn 19. But I thought I would go with a shout out to Paul Henderson. A lot of people Love forget it. that he played for the Maple Leafs. They, uh, the score of the biggest goal in Canadian hockey history. And bring on the discussions whether or not Paul Henderson should be in the Hall of Fame based on his performances in that series against the Soviets. But episode 19, sunny day, playoffs are starting. Let's go. Let's do it, Lepore. This is a jam-packed episode. Stanley Cup playoffs are here. So let's just dig right into it, buddy. All right. So first, let's just go over the week that was quickly for the Leafs. Their final week of the regular season. They played just two games. And on Wednesday night, they started the week on the road against the Ottawa Senators, losing 4-3 in overtime. So the big story in this game was the return of Frederick Anderson, who came back from injury, his mysterious lower body injury. I believe it was a knee injury, but there's still like a lot of mystery involved in what actually happened to him. But anyway, he was playing his first NHL game since March 19th. He allowed four goals on 28 shots. He looked rusty. He looked uncomfortable. It just wasn't a great game. My favorite quote, Jake Muzzin postgame, he said, no life, no energy. We hung in there. We battled, but not good enough to win. And that was basically the story of the game. And just another thing to add about this game, Austin Matthews scored his 41st goal of the season. So shout out to Matthews, the winner of the Rocket Richard Trophy this season, running away with it. An awesome season for number 34. And uh, then the Leafs closed out the week on Friday on the road against the Winnipeg Jets. And they lost again, 4-2. to Two, <laughs> two oh. straight losses to end the season for the Leafs. Uh, Mitch Marner was given a maintenance day in this game, missing his first game of the season. Kyle Connor scored two goals for the Jets, and Connor Hellebuck made 34 saves. Morgan Riley had a rough game. He had a brutal giveaway on the 1-1 one, one goal, and then he made a bad pinch on the 2-2 two, two goal. So it, was, it wasn't it was a great way to finish out the season for the Leafs. And just one more note about this game. Jack Campbell closes out the season with a 17-3-2 record 
a 215 goals against average and a 921 save percentage. So not bad. The Leafs close out the season with two consecutive losses here, Lapore, but Give me your thoughts, man. So, yeah, we'll start with the uh, the first practice the uh, Maple Leafs had this week. And as you mentioned, it was uh, versus the Sens. You touched on it, the big story, Freddie coming back. So it was either going to give us a lot of confidence with the uh, depth of our goaltending or it was going to scare the shit out of us with the depth of our goaltending. And we'll get to that a little later. Uh, first goal of the game went to the Sens. Zaitsev, former Leaf. Surprise, surprise. A former Leaf scores against us. Shot through a crowd. Uh, it actually went off Hutton's ass. You can see in the in the replay. Bing, right off the post and in. Not much Freddie could do on that one. So it's uh, one nothing after one. In the uh, second period, Jake Muzzin. Jake Muzzin scoring on our terrible power play with an absolute blast. Uh, Thornton fed him. The puck went low, came to the wing. Back to Muzzin uh, in the slot, hammered it home. So 1-1 at that point. Shortly after, it was Mitch Marner shorthanded. We've talked uh, before on this show how we love Marner killing penalties. Came in the zone, rang it right off the post. Great shot. Just whipped a wrist shot. But unfortunately, it went barring out instead of bar down. But a little later, Connor Brown, again, unbelievable. A former Toronto Maple Leaf scoring against us. He made a great move. Yeah. Oh, Again, we know all about that. Uh, He made a great move, outskating Riley up the wing, cut in. But his shot went right into Freddie. And to me, this goal was the one that clearly demonstrated to all of us that Freddie is not where he needs to be. I think kind of hit him in the midsection, dribbled down into his pads, and he didn't know that he had it. And he was he whipped around, and the, punk, the, the puck came loose, and uh, Brown shoveled it in. Matthews tried his best getting behind Freddie to keep it out, but it dribbled across the line. Uh, two one sends. And then it was uh, Ottawa Senators legend Parker Kelly. It's a hockey name if I ever heard one. Parker Kelly scoring his first NHL goal on Anderson. Another bad one from the side. Anderson was out of position. I think it did it hit his foot before he tried to save it with his hand. I think it went yeah, off it his foot. It just wasn't pretty. No. Horrible goal to give up. So we have two former Leafs scoring. Surprise, surprise. And the player scoring their first NHL goal against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Again, shocking, shocking for all Leafs fans. Uh, JT was able to cut it to uh, 3-2 before the uh, second period ended. Great play by Willie. He uh, knocked it down. No look pass to uh, Tavares in front of the net, hammered it in. And just to finish off the season for those guys, they were both well above a point a game in the latter parts of the year. Like, shout out to those guys. They dealt with a lot of shit earlier in the year. And it's behind them. We've mentioned on this show that we were impressed the way they turned it around. It is a hundred percent behind them. And it, it's comforting for Lee's fans to be able to say that going into the playoffs. Uh, third period, late in the third period, Matthews was able to tie the game at three with, as you mentioned, his 41st goal of the season, unreal 41 goals for uh, AM 34 Tavares picking up another assist. OT, ugly OT. This Leafs team sucks in overtime, by the way. Man, that Marner giveaway. I don't know oh, what terrible. the hell was going through his head on that yeah. play. That I just seemed lot. to me like, I don't care. It's the end of the season. I'm Mitch Marner. I'm just going to try something that I shouldn't be trying here. And it bit him in the ass. Yeah, it was like something you try, like the effort you'd see in an all-star game trying to be cute. And it failed miserably. And like, I'd like to go over like the Leafs overtime record this season because I don't think it's very good. Just looking back, I can't remember many wins in overtime compared to losses. And you look at the type of talent this Leafs team has. Like we have skaters, we have skilled players, we have guys who move the puck well. You'd think we would be 
a good overtime like a team. dominant overtime yeah team. but i mean it, it, i don't even know if we go over it can any sense be made with that like a good overtime team versus a bad overtime team or is just a total mess in the way that it's all luck and bounces and teams that we thought would be bad in overtime or good in overtime that might be the case but anyways as you said it was a weak back pass it got picked off by brady kachuk who fed norris hammered at home past freddie to give the Sens the win uh, good ending to the season for the Sens. They had a great second half. Um, big talking point here in Ottawa. A lot of excitement for them going into next season, and they can set their expectations where they want to set them. Uh, the shots finished at 33-28 uh, in favor of the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. And Money Puck had the game after 500 simulations with the Senators winning 56% of the time. Okay, so yeah, that's a there's, a, there's a lot going on in this game, Lapore. Yeah. And I think the biggest talking point, I mean, I alluded to this, you know, when I was going through the game earlier, is Freddie Anderson. So he comes back, he plays his first game since March 19th, and there were still fans out there that were thinking that there was a chance that Freddie Anderson could actually be the game one starter in the playoffs. craziness crazy now i think most leaf fans who have been following the team throughout the season have understood that this is jack campbell's net and just based on his numbers this season i mean i said it 17 3 and 2 with a 921 save percentage he has 100 earned this net yeah. but with the way that anderson played in that game and lapore i saw some takes on the internet that were just brutal where you know really? people were saying that anderson looked good everything's fine like oh he, he looked good he can he's he can easily be the backup heading into the playoffs i'm fine with that <laughs> look good on what in, he in the warm-up <laughs> he looks so uncomfortable in oh that my game God. i don't know how oh any leaf fan could be comfortable with the way that freddie anderson played in that game against ottawa terrible and now heading into the playoffs with him as the number two like so just give me your thoughts right now on this goaltending situation because i think it's just jack campbell's net and I could even see Jack Campbell playing in in a back-to-back in the playoffs as well at this point. But okay. just give me your take on the situation. I don't know what anyone could have seen from that performance to give any type of positivity. And the thing is, like, bad goals happen. Like, he hadn't played in a while. So I would have left, let him off the hook, had, say, something beat him glove side that he maybe should have had, or, like, his, like, look through screens wasn't very strong. Like, that I would get if it happened and we could just say, you know what? He hasn't played in a while, a little rusty. Okay, let's move on and we're okay. But as I touched on, like that Connor Brown goal, that's a bad goal to give up, man. And, and that shows like you're just not physically ready. And maybe worst of all, that shows your confidence isn't there. Like there 100%. were even ones that he didn't let in where you could tell he wasn't sure if he had it or he was kind of looking behind him. Um, yeah, not good. And that one, again, like that one, uh, the Parker Kelly kid scored first first NHL goal. It's one of those ones where I think people say, oh, you know, it's just a fluke, total bullshit goal, one in a million. Then I say, mm, but is it a coincidence that happened to Freddie his first game back? Like, no, he probably overcommitted to one side. And even if, you know, it came right to the player, he should have been able to get across. And even if he had to make an uncomfortable save, it still would have been a save. So, no, it's, it's not good. And you mentioned how our series against Montreal does, in fact, have a back-to-back. It's reason for Leafs fans to be a little worried. Should we be full on panicking? Maybe. 
because <laughs> we, we have, we, I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to let us off the hook and say no, because at the end of the day, we have had good goaltending. Campbell's been an amazing surprise for us. Stories like this don't happen too often uh, to the Toronto Maple Leafs and their fans. But as far as our backup situation right now, it could be a hell of a lot better. But what I will say more on the broad scope of the situation, and this is the take I would have on just about every team in the playoffs. If you're pointing to your team and you're saying, wow, if our starting goalie gets hurt, we're fucked. Most teams are fucked. I mean, it's not, I'd like to go back and see like Stanley cup champions and how many games their backup played and how many wins their backup contributed over the course of the 16 wins. I'm sure it's very, very minimal. So if you ask me about the goaltending situation specifically, and even more specifically the backup situation, yeah, I'm a little nervous. My color's a little hot, but if that's the thing we're circling as a huge problem for the Toronto Maple Leafs going into the playoffs or not even a huge problem, just a problem. Cause I don't think you can call that a huge problem. I think we're okay <laughs> is, is, is how I would put it. What's your take on Freddie? Yeah, I couldn't agree more Lapore. and something that absolutely drives me nuts about, you know, narratives heading into the playoffs is this whole thing about playoff experience, especially when it comes to goaltending. So, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are saying, you know, Jack Campbell has no playoff experience. Like, should the Leafs be worried about this? Let me let me just set the record straight here, okay? Here Jack we go. Jack Campbell <laughs> has a 918 save percentage in 85 career NHL games. This is not a guy who just appeared out of nowhere and this is, you know, he's, he's never played in the NHL before. This is a guy who was a first-round pick, high-pedigree guy. He's played almost 100 games as a starter in the NHL. He's had a phenomenal season. Okay, this is, I know it's a short sample, but this entire season, Lapore, is a short sample size. Fair enough. So there's yeah. no reason to believe that just because, oh my God, the playoffs start, that Jack Campbell's now all of a sudden going to be trash. Guess what? Any good goalie can have a terrible series. Okay, yeah. and one thing that I point to, you look back at that 2019 sweep where Columbus took down the Lightning. Okay, one of the best regular season teams of all time. Andre Vasilevsky who is objectively a top three goalie in the sport. He finished that series with an 856 save percentage. There you go. 856 save percentage. And the following season leads the Tampa Bay Lightning to the Stanley Cup. So yeah. my whole point is that any goalie could get lit up. Any goalie could get hot. But when I look at what Jack Campbell has done this season, to me, there's no reason to be concerned about his lack of playoff experience. The way that he's playing right now, heading into the postseason with all the confidence that he has, give me that every single day of the week, Lapore. Yeah, and I would even point to the thing, and I'm going to try to use examples the best I can. People talking about playoff experience for goalies. I would maybe argue the opposite has been more successful. Maybe not more successful, but the opposite has been successful. Just looking back recently, I mean, Jordan Bennington, Cam Ward won one for Carolina. All the rookie goalies that have won the cup. Yeah, they seem to do well. Um, Felix, people forget Felix Podman was a kid when he led the Leafs to the back-to-back the -back conference finals. I'm not going to say Jack Campbell's Patrick Waugh, but that 86 cup that was won by the Montreal Canadiens, Patrick Waugh was a rookie. And I think a lot of time there's a lot of pressure and you can overthink it. You can have an acceptance or an acknowledgement of the magnitude of the situation. And that can be a downfall. 
you've heard me say on the show a million times, ignorance is bliss. And I'm not saying Jack Campbell has no understanding of the capacity of this situation and the which is the Leafs on a playoff run, but lack of experience can sometimes be a good thing. And that's, that sounds weird, but I just gave examples of times when it has been successful. So, I mean, you said, I don't think there's anything worse in sports than using save percentage in a small sample size. Cause like, let's face it, you, it's not like a goalie has an equal amount of chance on every goal that is scored. There are wide open nets. There are breakaways. There are tips, deflections. I mean, let, we could go back um, if uh, and look at the goals scored on Vasilevsky in that series and say, oh, he actually played very well. It's just there was a lot of deflections. There was a lot of cross-crease pa- passes, power play. And I'm sure they do it in the offices, but I've always wondered what deep metrics exist for the goalies. Say, okay, this is their save percentage. What is their save percentage with high danger scoring chances, so high danger scoring chances. What is their save percentage? If you remove breakaways, what is their save percentage? If you remove uh, being shorthanded to get a better, uh, a better view of that goalie. I knew, I know the new one. It's a, what do they call it? Like saves above expected or yeah. go- goals, goals allowed below and above expected. Yeah. Like that's a big one they use now. And I don't know how the deep metrics lie within that stat, but they rank goalies top to bottom and they'll show their career progression on, you know, where they were playing amazing and where they were playing poorly. And I'm sure in the offices, they're aware of all that and not just saying, Oh, his GAA is this and his save percentage is this. So he's really good or he's really bad. But to sum it up, (laughs) if there's one thing that almost doesn't matter, I'm not saying goaltending doesn't matter in the playoffs, but almost like our previous knowledge of that goalie doesn't matter going into the yeah, playoffs. It's almost game. irrelevant. It's like irrelevant, my whole thing yeah. with goaltending. Like it's just an inherently very volatile position compared yeah. to, you know, forward and defense. Like there's a lot of wacky things that could happen to a goalie, especially in a seven game series, whether you're Andre Vasilevsky, whether you're Jack Campbell or whether you're friggin' Michael Hutchinson. Yeah. So, yeah. It's I'm different too, right? Like I find, and maybe because I'm a little older than a lot of hockey fans on Twitter where a goal will go in and it's almost now where anytime a goalie gets beaten with a clean shot or a puck goes through him, the reaction is, oh, that was a bad goalie should have stopped it. And I always say it's like, to me anyway, let's say a goal beats a goalie underneath the arm. The reaction is, oh, that was a bad goal. And I'll say, the puck's going a hundred miles an hour. There was maybe like a whatever square amount of inches and it just happened to go there. You know what I mean? And if it was four inches to the right and it hits them in the arm or it's the other way and it hits them in the chest, would you have said, Oh, he was out of position. No, it, it, it just would have hit him and you would have thought nothing. And, and I'm not letting goalies completely off the hook, but I think, you know what I'm getting at where I think we almost overanalyze the position sometimes and, we're almost too hard on goalies that like you'll always see like those snipes go over the shoulder of the goalie and they'll say, Oh, the goalie didn't have the angle. It's like, that was a perfect shot. There was maybe like 10 square inches. Yeah, and the guy sometimes put you it just got to give credit to the shooter. Right? Yeah. It just, it just happened to go in that space where the goalie was. And I mean, we can talk about this stuff all day long, but I think people understand my point. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't think there's anything more to talk about there. Lapore. like Jack Campbell's the guy it's his net. And you know what? If he gets lit up at some point and has a bad game, then yeah, I'm sure we're going to see Freddie Anderson. We might see Freddie Anderson in the back-to-back yeah, in game four. So that remains to be seen, but we'll, we'll see how this plays out. And the first few games of the series will, will definitely be very telling. 
Yeah, but for sure. Let's move on now, Laporte, to the second game of the week, Leafs-Jets. And, you know, we talked about it earlier. Mitch Marner was given a maintenance day in this one. It just looked like the Leafs didn't really play with a lot of intensity in this game. Yeah. And, you know, even Paul Maurice, Jets head coach Paul Maurice, talked about it before the game that there was like a gentlemanly agreement that you know, no one was <laughs> oh. going to be finishing their checks and – they all knew what was on the line. Like we're heading into the playoffs here. Like we're no, no one's going to be going a hundred percent, but I mean, obviously it was disappointing to see the Leafs lose this game, but to me, Lepore, the biggest thing from this game is the power play. So yeah. just a stat to throw out there. The Leafs oh, no. <laughs> closed out the regular season, their final 29 games of the regular season going five for 73 on the power play. Shit. Five for 73. And despite that, over those last 29 games, they had a 17, 7, and 5 record. Where so, they finished the season ranked, like I guess in the middle of the pack. On the power play, they finished the season. I have it right here. They were 16th. So dead middle. So they went from like first yeah. for a while. Slowly. If <laughs> they just tumbled down to 16th in the league on the power play. Yeah. And they still finished Lapore with a 20% power play, 20% on the nose, which isn't terrible. It's it's bang on average. It's always like 20 is average, like 25 is like the top-ish, and 15 is like the bottom-ish. But like we've said before, he's like those types of numbers, that's hard to do. It's hard to be that bad on the power play. And yeah, I mean, if it's something to be worried about now that we're in the playoffs, I don't know. I mean, not as many power plays are given, so maybe it's not that important. Or you can say there's going to be a time where you do need a power play goal, so it is important. But it doesn't matter. I mean, it's one of those things that maybe they scored two power plays in their first game against Montreal, and uh, we all laugh about it. Exactly. Then everyone so just forgets about it. Everyone that, right? forgets. We'll just look back and say, oh, they had an average power play during the season, and we won't look any deeper than that. So. No, 100%. But yeah, that that to me, Lapore was like just the biggest takeaway, just seeing the power play struggle again. But let's run through this game and uh, give us a breakdown of how how everything played out. Sure. Like to your point about the type of game it was, I ran, I think it was like midway through the third. I looked at the uh, the time on ice for all the Leafs and all the forwards were like pretty much identical. So just to show the way the Leafs were playing, like Keith was just rolling the lines. Like there was no yeah, like importance played on situation. He didn't have it set up like it was game one of the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, just to quickly run through uh, the Leafs' second practice of the week. Uh, Engvall scored. Go. Yeah, Engvall scored off the wing. It was McKay made a great play, actually. Knocking it forward to him. Uh, made a little move. And I think it went five hole on uh, Hellebuck, if I remember correctly. So one nothing for the uh, Leafs. Campbell, late in the period, made big saves on both Stasny and Lowry. So one nothing Leafs after a single period. Moving on into the second period, uh, Appleton scored early. It was a terrible turnover from Morgan Riley. Uh, we can look at these games and uh, say they're completely insignificant and nothing matters, but you do not want to see that. You do not want to see blatant mistakes because yeah, that's that the type of stuff real. that can cost you a game and cost you a series. So 1-1, uh, uh, a little later in the second, it was Mikheyev who scored an easy rebound, open net off a muzzin shot from the point. And uh, you don't get many easier goals than that. Just came off the rebound and McKay was right in the right place at the right time. Uh, later, the Jets were able to tie it. It was a sweet move by Connor. Shifley and Connor were on a two-on-one. Shifley fed it across, kind of faked a shot, went to his right, slid it in for the backhand. No chance for Campbell. 
a little later again. Campbell did make some big saves in this game. This one was on Morrissey. It was right at the end of the period, so we had a tie 2-2 game going into the third. Uh, there was a play in the third period, man. Like, Matthews came in, and you're just thinking, here comes number 42. Hellebuck made a big save, and then Gallich had a rebound, and Hellebuck robbed him. Hellebuck robbed yeah, him. Hellebuck played really well in this yeah, game. Yeah, like, he, he was showing some guts in this game for sure. So that kept, that kept the game uh, at 2-2. And it was Connor. What a goal, man. Like, if this was in a game that mattered, I think it would have got, got a lot more attention. He's a left shot, so he was on the opposite side of Ovechkin, but it was kind of like an Ovechkin-style goal. The puck came over to him, and he just whipped it. And it's one of those that, like, it came in and came out so quickly that you weren't even sure if it was in, but you saw his arms go in the air, so you're like, oh, I guess it's in. He's got a sick but release. What a player, man. Like, again, it's that whole thing of, like, you're – you're underrated until everyone starts saying that you're underrated. And then now, now you're good. And he is a great player, man. He is an absolute beauty, that guy. So like I said, that made it three to two and the uh, jets were able to add an empty netter to win the game four to two final shot count was 36 to 24 in favor of the Leafs and money puck had that, had that game pretty square. Uh, after 500 simulations, they had the jets winning 52% of the time. So with all that, that is a wrap on the 2021 regular season of the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. And you know what? All things considered, you know, even though they lost those last two games, the Leafs finished the season playing at a 113-point pace over 82 games. It would have set a franchise record for essentially their best regular season ever. So, what is it? It's only like 106 or something. Like, yeah, I, I believe it was the. Uh, I think it was like the third Babcock season, second or third Babcock season, yeah. where they set the franchise record for points. Pretty so, incredible that like we're an original six franchise, and like 100, 106 is still a great season. But you think, even like you know those yeah, that's a little teams, low. Or like even like those teams in the 90s, you think there would have been like one. Well, even I was the 94 team started. They started like. 10 and one or like 11 or something crazy like even that year yeah <laughs> like you would think one of those teams would have had the record because yeah 106 compared to like some of the other teams when you look at their all-time best point totals is a little bit low but yeah no not in leafland no yeah the leafs <laughs> never get me. good things no. but uh yeah lapore i mean you you mentioned it with with morgan riley it is a little concerning and listen i'm like captain of the morgan riley fan club i think he's a great player i've you know saying his praises multiple times on this show. But yeah, that giveaway, you know, trying to make that pass right up the middle of the ice, like that's concerning to me. That's something like heading into the playoffs. Like I don't even want him. And listen, I know he's a high skill guy and he's aggressive and he likes making, you know, let's call it like high danger plays like that. But man, heading into the playoffs, like I don't want to see that type of stuff. And even that pinch that he made, on the 2-2 goal, it was Kyle Connor's second goal that led to that odd man rush. Like, just the, the decision-making late in the season, like, those are things as a Leaf fan heading into the playoffs that have me a little bit concerned. Now, I think that those things will, for the most part, get cleaned up, not only with Morgan Riley, but just the team defense in general and the defense core. Like, the Leafs this year, this was one of their best seasons in terms of just team defense and even play from the defense core in a very long time oh not even close yeah i mean it was just a really solid season all around for this team but laporte like are you concerned seeing that for morgan riley like these last couple of games and just some of the bad decisions that he's been making to be honest it's not even about the last couple games like 
I don't know if you mentioned it, but over those last two games, again, these were practices, as I joked about earlier, but he was a minus six. Like, you're that's not going to point to, yeah, that's terrible. Like, you're not going to really point to anything in these games to give you any type of fear other than, you know, Freddie coming back and playing his first game in a long time and not playing well. But I'd kind of leave every player off off the hook about anything because these games did not matter. But when you see a stat like minus six, when you play for the sixth ranked team in the National Hockey League, that's bad. But my thing with Morgan Riley, it goes back this entire season. It's almost as if he's changed his identity completely as a player. And it was a few weeks ago, I was YouTube surfing and I came across a goal he scored earlier in his career where he came out from his own end. He flew across center ice, beat two guys, and then went backhand, backhand top corner for a goal. And it, I, it came over me, this whole, this whole thing of like, who the fuck was that? Like, I didn't recognize Morgan Riley executing a play like that, like with that type of excitement and confidence. And it could be something in the way of Keith. Like, I don't know, like maybe Keith's told him to like pump the brakes with that type of contribution saying like, you know, we're going to get it from our forwards. So just relax, who knows. But if we were to give a grade on the totality of this season and what Morgan Riley has shown us, it wouldn't be a good grade. Like based on our expectations of him, like, has he been fine? Yeah, he's been fine. But I think it was like the first or second show we did a segment on Riley and about like how much we loved him. And I think I even made the point saying I would, I would have been okay with him being named captain. Like that's how much I loved him and how grateful I am for what he's done for this franchise going through the shit he did, the bad years sticking around. But now, and again, it's not negative. It's just that I think expectations have been set for what we expect from him and we haven't gotten it. And I will say it, man, with what, and we talked about the power play just now with how bad the power play has been. There's different reasons for that. When anything goes that bonkers in a negative way, you can't point to one player or one system or the coaching. It's a series of things. But I will point out that when Rasmus Sandin was on that power play, uh, that top power play unit for uh, his little stint, he looked good. And it seemed like, I don't I don't remember like whether we scored our scoring chances stat, stats look like or anything like that, but it looked better with Sandin. So I'm not going to say this power play these these power play troubles have been all the fault all the fault of Morgan Riley but let's face it he's the guy up top and it's not flowing so he's at least one of the problems but i mean that's loaded and i'm sure people listening to this may think that like i'm totally going into negative land with Morgan Riley but i just think it's based on how much i like the player and where the my expectations have been set with him from what he's shown me in previous seasons no, and that's the thing, right? Because when you think about successful teams in the playoffs and teams that make a deep run, you need that horse on the back end yeah. who's going to elevate his game. And listen, the Leafs defense core as a whole, that six-man unit, I like it a lot. And oh, I would stack yeah. it up there. I'm not saying they're the best decor in the league, but when you look at some of the elite teams in the league, I think the Leafs are right up there, if not just maybe a tier below, just in terms of like the entire six-man unit that they have. Yeah. at the moment but you know you look back even last year with tampa right how victor hedman takes his game to the next level or the year the yeah. capitals won the cup john carlson had yeah. a phenomenal playoff run so duncan keith drew dowdy those keith, guys drew Doughty, yeah. go down the list right so when it comes to morgan riley 
I want to see him elevate his game, Lapore. And am I a little bit concerned heading into the playoffs? I'm a little bit concerned in terms of his decision making. But man, oh man, like I, I, th- I listen. I think he has it in him. I've you know a couple of years ago, Morgan Riley had a 70 point season under yeah. Mike Babcock, 20 goal season, and. Am I going to say that he's going to go out there and be like a point of game player during this playoff run? No, but if the Leafs want to be successful and they want to get out of the North division and, you know, go to the semifinals and get to that cup final, Morgan Riley is going to have to be one of their top three or four most important players during this run. Absolutely. Yeah. You need guys at the end of the day, I would say you need guys to play above themselves to win a Stanley cup or go on a run. So him just playing where he's at right now is not good enough. Like we're going to need, we're going to need more from him. Like yeah, all the, and, we're going to need more from everybody is kind of what I'm getting at, but we're seeing that potential. I think in a lot of guys, I don't know if he's shown us that potential this season. And what's weird is that he's coming up on his contracts ending at the end of next season. So like I would have been sitting here a year ago saying we're fucked because he's going to want seven, eight, whatever million putting up the points. Like you were saying, he had 70 some odd points. So there's no way we're going to be able to fit him in now. I don't know what he's really going to ask for. I mean, he's cost himself money. That's for sure. With these performances. And even too, like I remember like, you know, TSN Sportsnet, Oh, the projected team Canada. Like they always had Riley right now. I don't think I'm behind. I'm definitely not putting Morgan Riley on team Canada, or at least like, he ain't no slam dunk. Like yeah, that's no, for sure. hundred percent. And you mentioned Rasmus Sandin. Sheldon Keefe has shown a lot of confidence in him. He's, you know, replaced Riley on the top unit with Sandin. Who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe Sandin's the guy that I'm, I'm not saying Sandin's going to turn into Victor Hedman, but maybe he's that guy who Keefe realizes, you know what? Sandin's one of my top four guys right now. I got to play this dude 22 minutes a game. I need him to run the top power play against Montreal in a close, you know, tie game and game yeah. two of the series or whatever. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how Rasmus Sandin works into this whole equation against the Montreal Canadians, because he's been sitting out for salary cap reasons. As we all know, the Leafs salary cap situation is like a complete mess. And they're, yeah. they're I'm doing not all good this enough at math to try to explain it to you. Yeah. And certain guys haven't been able to get into the lineup late in the season because of cap implications, but no, I mean, it's it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with this decor, how the minutes are allotted. But, I mean, I can't wait, man. And, Lapore, I guess that takes us now into our playoff preview. Let's go. Versus Habs. Let's fucking go. It's that Christmas song. It's the most wonderful time of year, man. Unbelievable, man. First time these teams have met in the playoffs since 1979. I mean... Hockey fans are just absolutely. What more do you want? What more do you want? I mean, this to is make just... you go gray and lose sleep at night that a Habs leave series, right? This is unbelievable, man. Everyone's fired up for this series. So, so let's break it down, Lapore. And I'll start things off just kind of giving a brief rundown of the season series. So, the Leafs and Habs played 10 games this season. The Leafs won the season series 7 2 and 1 outscoring the Habs 34-25 in total and 24-17 at five on five. So obviously the Leafs dominated this season series. There's a lot of different stats we can look at. Uh, Montreal, the last 23 games of the season was terrible, quite frankly. Mm. Um, They were 8-13-2 over the last 23 games and were outscored by 29 goals. 
I didn't even so, know it was that bad. Okay. So they are playing their worst hockey of the season at the worst time. I'd like to see their record. I'm sure it's been posted their record since the coaching change, but it, it's not pretty. I, I've seen some tweets about it. I haven't checked exactly what their record is since Ducharme took over, but it's it's just not very good. And also, Lapore, another stat I wanted to bring your way. Did you know Did that I know? the 2021 Montreal Canadiens, based on points percentage, are the worst team the Leafs will face in the playoffs in 25 years? So wow. the last team that had a well, considering we, we played like a top five team <laughs> all the time and we've missed the playoffs a lot. So that stats kind of skewed, but okay, I'll take it. So it's the first, it's the, the worst team they've played in 25 years. You have to go back to the 1996 St. Louis blues, the Gretzky blues, Brett wow. Hall and Wayne yeah. Gretzky. Okay. And that season, the Leafs were the four seed in the conference and the blues were the five seed. They were both bad teams. They both had, they had 80 points in 82 games. I was going to say the funny part is the Blues beat us. <laughs> yeah, and they, exactly. The Blues beat Hashtag the Leafs Gretzky, in six that but okay. season. Yeah. But yeah, you have to go back that far to find a team. Now, this is just based on points percentage, okay? I'm not yeah. getting into any of the underlying numbers. Just based on record, the Habs are the worst team the Leafs will face in a playoff series in 25 years, and that spans 18 playoff series. So I guess if you think about it, it's like, okay – Ottawa always had a good regular season team, like the Flyers teams going back into the 2000, like Carolina, yeah, those Jersey, they were always really Pittsburgh. Like they were always playing really good teams, but yeah, throw that set out there, Bruno. Why not? How'd you find that? I just decided to go look through. I was very curious. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? The Habs have a, a pretty bad record this season. I'm like, let me go back and check like, some of the teams that the Leafs face. And I just went to go look at all their regular season records. And I'm like, oh, wow. The worst team they played in the playoffs in a quarter century. So, Lepore, if the Leafs fuck this one up. Bruno woke up in the middle of the night. He's like, you know what I'm going to look up? <laughs> That's oh, that, if People that know me, they 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 would know that I'm, I'm kind of crazy like that when it comes to, to looking up weird stats and different facts and information. But... But you yeah, realize what you've done. Now you've given given us more embarrassment. If the Leafs don't do not win this series, oh, I'll can give you imagine? I mean, you could the table could not be set any better than it is right now <sighs> for the Leafs to finally win a first round playoff series in the uh, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner era. Which, like if they screw this up, Lapore, just based on how obviously the Leafs dominated the division this season, and not just dominated the division, they had an insane record against the playoff teams in this division. Yeah. The Leafs were 19-7-3 and against the Jets, Oilers, and Habs this season. So they showed that, you know, they, they could beat every playoff team in this division. They outscored every playoff team in this division. The Habs are playing terrible hockey at the moment. Like, could anything go wrong here, Lapore? Like, just looking at this series and zooming out, like, sure, you could you could say the Habs have pulled off upsets in the past. We saw that run in 2010. We saw what they did last year, beating the Penguins in the qualifying round after, you know, getting invited to the 2014 return to play format as essentially the lowest seed in the playoffs. So we yeah. know that when you look back at history, that the Canadians have showed that they can pull off big upsets. But do you see an upset coming at all in this okay. spot? Okay, so here comes my breakdown on the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, round one series versus the Montreal Canadiens. To your point about what Montreal can do to the Toronto Maple Leafs in a series, if I'm stepping outside the box and looking in, taking the Leaf hat off, I have a hard time thinking that this team 
can beat the Leafs four out of seven. I think the Leafs showed throughout the regular season against all the teams in the division that they are the best team north of the border. And I said it before on this show, if this team does not find itself in the semifinals, it will be because of them. They are the best team in this division, top to bottom. They're the team that is best best built to win now. So if they do not beat the Montreal Canadiens and they do not win that second round, it is because of the players on the ice. The right team has been put in place and the timing is right. So as I said, I have a hard time seeing the Montreal Canadiens beating this Leafs team four times out of seven games. But I do think that Montreal is a team that they're a proud team. I think they're going to come in and I don't want to hear the whole thing. I hate when people say that the take of a team has nothing to lose is insignificant. No Montreal coming in. No one is picking them to win this series. No one is picking them to go on a deep playoff run. There is no pressure on the Montreal Canadians. I'm sure they're going to use that in their locker room as ammunition as best they can. And I think this is going to be a lot more difficult of a series for the Toronto Maple Leafs than people are predicting. That being said, I do have the Leafs winning this series. I have Leafs in six is my call. What I think is so important, and this is going to sound overly simplistic, but what I think is so important, both on the side of giving confidence to the Leafs and smashing the confidence and hope to the Montreal Canadiens is game one. If so the Le- big. So big. If the Leafs win game one, it goes even further to my point of, you know, can Montreal beat the Leafs four times out of seven games? If the Leafs at home get a win, well, can Montreal beat Toronto four times out of six? Like now you're getting to a point where if you are the weaker opponent from a talent perspective, that's a big ask. So I think that is so big for the Leafs, like numerically to win that game and also give yourself confidence and take some confidence away from the Montreal Canadiens. Don't give them a thought that they think they can win this series, right? And even within that game, I know it's easy for me to say, but fucking dominate that game, smash that confidence, like try to humiliate them. And now I know I'm going a little overboard with the Leaf, with the uh, as a Leafs fan, but I just think there's so much importance in that first game. But like I said, I do have the Leafs prevailing. I think the Montreal Canadiens put up a heck of a fight. There's a lot of guys on that roster who are. I hate to sound cliche and cheesy, but are built for the playoffs. They have Weber, they have Gallagher. If Price is going to play how many games, we don't know, but you don't want to face Carey Price. I don't care if he's barely played this year, if he's playing injured, you don't want to play against him. I have Leafs in a difficult series, six games. What do you think, Bruno? I I, I love that prediction, Lepore, and my prediction is almost the exact same as that. I oh, That's not Leafs. fun. <laughs> I have the Leafs in five. I thought you might say five for something. Like, okay, so we're not exactly. I, I have the Leafs in five, and Lapore, you mentioned a really good point, and I think it's the only thing really working in the favor of the Habs in this series is that all of the pressure is on the Leafs. And listen, you think these Leafs players don't understand the narrative at play here? Oh, all the big. times that they've lost in the first round. Oh, like, big! You could make the argument that this will be the most pressure-packed series of maybe all the series the Leafs play in the playoffs this season. Because just getting over this initial hurdle with all the narratives and all the jokes that have been flying around, you know, about this team for the last number of years, 
like they have to win this first round series yeah and for the franchise this is franchise like changing if they do not win this like series. there is so much pressure not just on the players but on kyle dubis on brendan shanahan on sheldon keith like there is immense pressure on the Leafs because everyone and their mother is expecting them to win this playoff series. So yeah, when you look at it through that lens, you could see that, guess what? You know, the Habs are going to come out and they're going to have no pressure. They're going to be flying around. They know that they're the underdogs. And I think that could really propel that team to maybe, you know, shock the Leafs for a couple of games. But yeah, when you just look at the totality of it and Lapore, you said it is this team really going to beat the Leafs four out of seven times when they only beat the Leafs three out of 10 in the regular season and twice in regulation? I was going to ask you, because you said the Leafs record was seven, two and one against Montreal. Yeah. So the Habs beat the Leafs twice in regulation in 10 games. Okay. And now they got to go beat the Leafs four times in seven games. And how many times we, I know how many times we beat them the first game in overtime. Were there any others? I believe we beat the Habs. I want to say at least at least once in overtime. It might well, be the first twice. game was the Riley one. The Tavares, I think it was Tavares to Riley, the two yeah. on one. So like, whatever it was, it was like say six, two and two, like that with your actual ties. But yeah, like that's yeah. kind of how I want to see it. Yeah, and, and, and when you look at it like that, it's just, that's just a that's an uphill battle, man, for this Montreal Canadiens team. And listen, I know the Habs are getting healthy, and Habs fans tell me all the time, like. Gallagher's coming back and playoff carry price. But but guess what? The Leafs dealt with a lot of injuries this season as well. I mean, I've I've run this down. Matthews, I keep forgetting we're getting Hyman. Like yeah, Hyman, Hyman hasn't played yeah. in two or three weeks. Zach Bogosian is out. And I think, you know, who knows when he's going to be back in the playoffs. William Nylander was on the COVID protocol list this year. There yeah. was a stretch during the season where Matthews literally couldn't take a shot because his wrist was hurting him. He missed... I believe Matthews missed four or five games this year. Wayne Simmons missed a chunk of the season. Joe Thornton missed a chunk of the season with fractured ribs. Felino was injured at one point. Like, so I'm just saying, like, you know, for the for the Habs fans that are saying, oh, the Habs are finally healthy. Well, guess what? The Leafs are finally healthy too. So, you know, you can look at the injury situation all you want and say the Habs are going to be a, a different team come, you know, game one. But at the end of the day, this Leaf team is one of the best teams in the NHL this season. And that's why I got them in five Lapore. So any, any final thoughts on this series before we, we move on to the next one? No, it's, it's just, I mean, books have been written about the embarrassing moments that have occurred throughout the history of the Toronto Maple Leafs losing this series based on the way this team is built based on the type of season they've had. And the fact that they're playing the Montreal Canadians, this would be right up there, man this would be right up there to like the things we could look back on and tell our kids like, yeah, this is the history of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So we both predicted it not to happen, but <laughs> we wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. None of us would be surprised. If something wacky and insane happened and they ended up losing this series. Yeah. Four straight, four straight or yeah. The most Toronto Maple Leafs thing ever. Yeah. All right, man. So let's move on to the other series in the Canadian division. Okay. We have, Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers taking on Mark Shifley and the Winnipeg Jets. So awesome. I'll run down, you know, just a few notes for everybody here with this series. So the Oilers and Jets played nine times this season. Edmonton won the season series seven, two and oh, outscoring yeah. the Jets 34, 22 in total and 23, 14 
at five on five. McDavid and Dreisaitl combined for 14 goals and 34 points in nine <laughs> games against the Jets this season. Yeah. So we all know that they lit up the Senators this season, McDavid and Dreisaitl, but I believe the Jets are number two on that list. Like they absolutely torched Winnipeg this season. So they had a very difficult time um, containing those guys. And Laporte, another um, interesting stat I pulled up about this series. So Connor Hellebuck, as we know, reigning Vesna Trophy winner, one of the best goalies in the sport. He finished the season with a 916 save percentage. And okay. when you look at his save percentage against every team this season, it's it's really good. Like it's like above 910, you know, against some teams, it's like 920. His save percentage against Edmonton this season, 877. Wow. So nice find. Could it be a situation where if Connor Hellebuck you know, returns to normal Connor Hellebuck and just gives them like average goaltending that maybe this series is a lot closer than people think, because I think just the general sentiment out there right now is that it, this, this series is a wrap it's Edmonton yeah. in like five or six, mm-hmm. but um, I want to hear your take on this series before I give my official prediction. What I'd like to see there, the numbers I'd like to see. And I kind of base this on how you said McDavid and Dryside will lift them up so bad and how Hellebuck save percentage was so bad how many of their goals were on the power play? I'd like to Winnipeg? see. Yeah, I know you can quickly, but like that, that's what I'd be intrigued to see. Cause like that, that's a big number mm-hmm. and that's on a small sample size of like that many games for Hellebuck. But as you mentioned, I mean, the numbers that people are seeing the record, they're pointing to Connor McDavid, the alien of the national hockey league. They're seeing a Jets team that has not been good over the last stretch of the season. Well, they've been terrible. In fact, over the last stretch of the season, but I'm going to go a little different on this one. So I look at that Jets team. And what I do see is a lot of game breakers. We said earlier on the show that we love Connor. Shifley is a beast. Wheeler has a lot of experience. Um, they're well, they're going to be getting uh, Ellers back, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Nikolai he's- Ehlers will most, I, I believe like it's like 99% he's going to be in the lineup. Okay. So he'll be back. Hellebuck is Hellebuck. I think there's a general consensus among uh, hockey fans that Paul Maurice is a good coach. And I'm not saying he's going to find, I'm not saying he's going to find a way to stop Connor McDavid, but I think he'll do as well as any coach can do to try to slow him down. So that all being said, I do have this being a heck of a series. Uh, Like we touched on a lot of people think Edmonton's going to blow them out. But what I have here is I have a war and I have a great series with uh, some great goaltending from Hellebuck, but I have Edmonton edging it out. I have Oilers in seven in this one. I say Connor McDavid is just too much at the end of the day, and maybe we get a historical game seven performance out of him, something we can look back on from years to come. But I just think that kid is just too much, and he'll just over a seven-game span take over. But I do have the Jets putting up a heck of a fight, and I do have Hellebuck playing very well. And I have like some, maybe some weird stuff happening in this series, like maybe the Jets win Game One, or maybe the Jets go up two to one or three to one, and you know the pressure's on Edmonton. But I have Edmonton edging them out in a tight series. And Lapore, once again, I am right there with you. <laughs> I have the Edmonton boring man in six games in this series. Okay. And listen, I, I've been very tough on Edmonton this season. I mean, I've talked ad nauseum about them just being a complete disaster on the ice at five on five without Connor McDavid. And this will be another 
opportunity for me to bring that up. So the Oilers finished the regular season with a minus 209 scoring chance differential and a minus 17 goal differential without Connor McDavid on the ice at five on five. So this team without Connor McDavid at five on five is basically like the Arizona Coyotes mm. or worse, essentially, right? So that that would be the one concern that I have is that, you know, if you're the Jets or even looking forward to the next series against the Leafs, like if you just find a way to contain McDavid and make sure that he's not, you know, scoring two points a night, then you're probably going to have a really good chance to beat this team. Yeah. And especially going back to what I said about Connor Hellebuck, I mean, an 877 save percentage in seven games against Edmonton this season, like that is not like Connor Hellebuck. So I think if yeah, we're can, not going to see, we're not, it's very unlikely we see that in this series. So yeah. if he figures out his game, I think we're going to have a, a closer series than people realize. And Laporte, you know, you, you called it in seven. I think that's very much in play, especially with Ehlers coming back. Now, listen, I, I know I just said that there's like a almost 100% chance that he plays. It's still sort of up in the air based on the reports that I've looked at. Um, he, he skated at the last morning skate. He was in a non-contact jersey. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the latest update is, but I, I would, I, I, I'm under the impression that he's going to play in game one. Okay. Against against Edmonton on Wednesday night, but yeah, I mean this is a Jets team. They're a very they're very deep in the top six. They, I have concerns about their blue line defensively. They're not great, yeah. but if Connor Hellebuck can play the way that we know he can play, then this series is going to be a lot closer than people think. But at the end of the day, Lapore, based on the season McDavid's having and how him and Drysital have just absolutely torched this team, and I think there's just something going on here where Winnipeg just hasn't been able to figure out a way to contain Edmonton offensively. I, I just, I just see the Edmonton winning this series. And, and quite frankly, I think it's probably the only series the Oilers are going to win this season. So I got the Oilers in six. Yeah. Like to your point about those numbers about the Oilers with McDavid on the ice and with him and without him on the ice, I think someone could respond to that and say, yeah, but they do have Connor McDavid. And he plays a lot of minutes, but where I think that comes into play, especially like to defend you would be, I think that stat becomes more significant, the better team you play. 100%. Like, I think when you play teams that have the depth, it's like, yeah, you can't just have one guy dominating and winning series against good teams where it's very, very unlikely. So like, I think we kind of see that could happen because with the jets, they have been weak down the stretch. As you mentioned, their blue line's not the greatest, but as you move forward, yeah, like if you're playing a team that's got very good, say, third, second and third line depth, I think you're in a lot of trouble because, I mean, McDavid can't play 60 minutes, right? So Exactly. And just as a comparison, the Colorado Avalanche, President's Trophy winners, the team that most people think is the best team in the National Hockey League, well, guess what they did without Nathan McKinnon on the ice? A plus 264 scoring chance differential and a plus 20 goal differential at five on five without their best player, who is objectively a top five player in the sport without him, yeah. they dominated teams yeah. this season. They're a wagon, so that, just, man. Yeah. that shows you, right? That shows you wh how one team with Nathan McKinnon is considered the Stanley cup favorites and Connor McDavid having one of the greatest seasons we've, we've ever seen. The Oilers finishes the 11 seed in the NHL, right? Yeah, exactly. So that paints the picture. There um, you go. All right, Lepore. I mean, I guess we can, we can move on now to some of the other series. Let's have some fun with the American team. So let's, let's go through some of these quickly here. So we'll start off with the Capitals and Bruins. So at the time of recording this, the Capitals have a one, nothing series lead over Boston. 
Yeah. Um, but Lepore, what are your what are your thoughts on this series? Yeah, this is one of those series where you look at the two teams, um, you look at what we've seen from these two teams, not only this season, but in seasons, um, recent seasons. And it's kind of an unfortunate situation because this is not a first round series. Um, if someone would have said in a normal format that Washington would have played uh, Boston in the conference finals, we totally believe it. Um, these are two teams that are deep. They are two teams that like to play quote unquote playoff hockey. And they have a lot of ingredients where I have the edge here is I have the edge to the capitals. And like you said, we're one game in and the capitals did win game one. And that wouldn't affect my decision, even if they had lost game one, but I think you see more offensive depth from the Washington, from the, from the caps compared to the Bruins. There's a lot of pressure on uh, Taylor hall, that Krejci Taylor hall combination. And I don't know if that can hold up in a seven game series against a team like the capitals. But I think this may be the series that I'm most excited for as a neutral, because let let these two teams go to war. Like these are two teams that are hated, like say, you know, the Tom Wilson situation or like Brad Marchand, everyone hates Brad Marchand. So let's just sit back, enjoy the show, enjoy a good, long, hard fought series um, as again, the Bruins lost game one, but it was overtime and no one's expecting uh, a Bruins team to roll over both because of uh, the way their team is built, their player personalities and their coaching. But I just have Washington being too much for this Bruins team. And even talking to a lot of Bruins fans, like they still like their team. They think they have a good team, but they kind of feel like that window is closing. Like that championship window is closing. And that it is time to move on from, from, from some things like Krejci's contracts up. They're probably not going to resign him to see what they do. It's going to be interesting. Um, Taylor Hall is obviously a UFA. Maybe they fill that, uh, that space up with Taylor Hall. I mean, you're going to hear their name when it comes to Jack Eichel. I mean, that's a fact. So it'll be interesting to see what the Bruins do from here. Um, especially if they do go out in uh, as early as the first round, but uh, yeah, I had the Capitals is too much over seven games. I have a hard-fought series, a lot of overtimes, a lot of one-goal games. Uh, Washington in six is what I have. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, as I mentioned, we're already one game into this series. And the big thing with Boston, I mean, that Taylor Hall addition at the trade deadline was huge for them. He's been awesome with the Boston Bruins. And I've run down some of the advanced numbers. I don't have them updated, but through the first 16 games of the Bruins – They were outscoring teams 15 to one with Taylor Hall on the ice at five on five. So he was a huge boost to that second line and that secondary scoring with David Krejci and Smith. So like that, that's so big for Boston because as we know, I mean, their, their top line is ridiculous with Marshawn Bergeron and Pasternak. And if that team could just find a way to get some secondary scoring and even from guys from like, you know, like Jake DeBrusque, right? Sure. Um, Yeah. You know what, Laporte? I got the Bruins, man. I got Bruins nice. seven. Nice. I in like this it. Series. So, and I know history isn't kind to the team that loses game one of a playoff series, just like mathematically. I think teams that lose game one end up losing the series like 60 something percent of the time or whatever. But it was in it was in Washington, whatever. Like, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I got, I got Bruins in seven. I, I just really like the makeup of that team. Brad Marchand had an incredible season this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, a lot of it's going to come down to goaltending like it will in 
basically every single series. Yeah. But Hot uh, take. <laughs> but it's like you said, Lapore. Like these are these are two like really good teams, and this is not a typical first round matchup. So it should be a lot of fun. Um, all right, man. Let's uh with that said, let's just move along here. Penguins versus Islanders. Yes. And this is a series we've seen in the past. Yeah, wars. And it wars. hasn't been pretty for Penguins fans. Yeah. Um, facing Barry Trotz and this hard-nosed, defensive-minded Islanders team. But uh, Lapore, what is your take on this series? In the so East yeah, region? Penguins and Isles. I, another one, man. It's it's a great it's a great year for matchups as a neutral. I know you can people say like, that every year, but no, there's a lot of series where like. These teams hate each other, or you just know they're going to hate each other really quickly. And this uh, this series is exactly that. You have two good goalies. Uh, you have Yari and Varlamov. Um, you have an Islander, Islanders team where we know their identity. We know Barry Trotz is going to play a certain way. They're going to try to shut you down. And then the series becomes intriguing because you have a guy named Sidney Crosby on the other end who they will try to shut down. But the Islanders are one of those teams. Like, they're a likable team. Like, you go through their lineup, like Barzal, Bailey, Eberly, Nelson, Lee. They picked up Palmieri and uh, Zajac at the deadline. I'd like to see their record since that deal. Because that was kind of like the deal of the deadline, like, before the Hall and the Felino deals took place. And it didn't seem like it was that hot, like, since they made that deal. But the Islanders are going to be a bitch to play against. And I think Pittsburgh knows that. On the other side, Pittsburgh kind of changed their identity this year. Like I know a lot, a lot of the uh, advanced stats guys I follow say that Pittsburgh was an incredible defensive team. And we kind of have this vision of the Penguins as, as like Crosby and Malkin high flying deep team, but that's not really what they were this year. Like they, people were saying this team is a unit more than they've ever been playing a 200 foot game and playing hockey the right way. And there's also, there's still questions as to regard to um, uh, whether Malkin is returning. I was reading yesterday. It was like up in the air. Yeah, Some people that were saying seems he up was. in the air for sure with Malkin. Yeah, but uh, man, one thing that totally fell under the radar this year, at least in my view anyway, Jake Ensel, he had 57 points, man. He's a good player, man. Good he, player, Wiley, man. the last like two, three seasons has pretty much been like a point of game player. Awesome. Like awesome year for him. So to make a prediction for this series... I have uh, the talent and the system of the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins being too much. I think a lot of people are probably going to go with the Islanders just to try to be cool and use their confirmation bias because they beat them last time, just out-muscled them and out-playoff hockeyed them. But I just think Sid is having too good of a year. I think he's going to be dialed in. If they get that addition of Malkin, which they should, that would be huge. Yari's a good goalie, so Penguins and six is how I have it. And I have literally the exact same <laughs> prediction. I have Penguins and six as well. And when I look at this Penguins team, first of all, they're one of the hottest teams in the NHL the they last are. like 15 games of the season. I believe they finished the year 10-3-1 and over their last um, four, or 14 games, that is. And I just look at the depth up front. Getting Jeff Carter at the trade deadline. Was I didn't even crazy. mention Jeff Carter. Yeah, sorry. Like Jeff Carter. And listen, like Jeff Carter is not the guy yeah. he used to be. Like we all know that, but he's been really good with Pittsburgh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's scoring a ton of goals. He's been over a point a game player with them. And I just look at the offensive depth of that team. And I look at them, especially with Melkin in the lineup, their talent down the middle. I think it's just going to be too much. 
for the Islanders to overcome. Now, here's the thing. Like, I don't like Pittsburgh's blue line. Like, I think they have some issues on the back end. And I, you know, Chris Letang is a phenomenal player. But, I mean, this is going to bring up a lot of scars for Leaf fans. But when you have Cody Ceci and you're rolling him out there, you know, 18 to 20 minutes a game, like, that's that's just not – it's not ideal. So, so we should we shouldn't listen to all the narratives <laughs> saying he's having a good year. Oh right, my I guess. goodness! But yeah. yeah, I just look at like the, the the talent on their blue line. Like you look at like Brian Dumoulin, Michael Matheson, John Marino. Like I mean, they got they're not a like, terrible. Yeah. You know, they're fine, unit. but that's about they're fine, it. Fine, yeah. right? And and I think a lot of the times with with Pittsburgh, you know, with with all the talent that they have up front, they were one of the highest scoring teams in the league this year. If if they can get like just solid goaltending. I think that they're they're going to break through in this series, and I know the Islanders swept them the last time they played. And I I love Barry Trotz. I love the yeah. way the Islanders play. They're one of the best defensive teams in the league. But I, I think Pittsburgh. I think they get it done this time. So I'm right there with you, Lapore. I, I got the Pens in six. One thing I forgot to mention is I saw both teams have like two of the best home records in the league. Like Pittsburgh's home record is bananas. They lost like three times. And and the oh wow and, yeah Laporte they're twenty two four and two yeah and what's the season Pittsburgh. and what's the the Islanders isn't much worse either so like something's got to give it's really an really and interesting the thing Islanders Laporte twenty one four and three at home there you go crazy wow. yeah that's that's not say eh? like that good that's insane yeah so they were both like just absolute juggernauts at home and then on the road they were like both five hundred teams essentially yeah. the Islanders under five hundred on the road so yeah but as you said good series man it's gonna be a good one. That should be awesome. All right, Lapore, let's move on to the Central Division now. This is one of my favorite series of the playoffs. It's the Lightning and Panthers. Yes. So here's what I'm going to say about this series is right oh, off. You the go bat. first on you go first on this one. This to me <laughs> should be terrifying every single hockey fan in the world right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just just think about what the Tampa Bay Lightning did this season. They played at a 110-point pace without Nikita Kucherov playing a single game. Nikita Kucherov, who I think we can all agree offensively is one of the top five offensive players in the world. He's a Hart Trophy winner. You go look at points the last like five years. He's right up there basically under Connor McDavid. This guy is one of the true game breakers that we have in the National Hockey League. One of the true elite, elite players. They did not have him the whole season. Steven Stamkos... Played just 38 games this season. They got 38 of a possible 112 man games from Kucherov and Stamkos and just casually played at a 110-point pace in their sleep. And now these two guys are coming back for game one of the playoffs. Lapore, man, I I love the lightning in this spot. The, The Panthers had a great season. I love Barkov. I love Huberto. They were both awesome this year. You know, I, I love the play of even guys like Mackenzie Weger on the back end for Florida who had a nice season. Sam Bennett coming over at the trade deadline. He's oh, been he's great. been amazing. He's been amazing. He's so good Florida. for Florida. But man, I look at this lightning team and you get these two monsters back. I mean, I, I think it's a wrap, man. I'll, you know what? I'll give I'll give the Panthers a couple of games. I got the <laughs> lightning in six in this yeah. series. So what what's your take? Yeah, I think this is a series where Florida's kind of like that surprise of the year. They're nice and cute. Everyone likes their jerseys. We've never really rooted for Florida before. So people are going to try to galaxy brain this and explain why the Panthers are going to win this series. But 
I just can't see them taking out this lightning team. As you mentioned, adding the additions they're going to add. They're just, this is, it's a crazy lineup. And I saw a stat and if you, what's even crazier is that they, that they did this without Kucherov and Stamkos. The lightning this year, when leading after two periods were undefeated. Oh my goodness. They went 20. I think the number was 26. Oh, and oh leading after two periods. So not once did they even lose, like get tied and lose in a shootout. Not even once 26. Oh, and oh, the last two teams to do that were one of the penguins teams recently that won the Stanley cup and one of the black Ox teams that won that won the Stanley cup. So again, undefeated leading after two periods without two of your best offensive players. They're an unbelievable team. If someone calls them the favorite to win the cup, it, cup it, uh, to my face, I won't disagree with them. I'll say, fine, you're perfectly okay to say that. But uh, as much as I, and I'm sure a lot of people would like to see Florida win this series, because right now they're a fun team to root for. I don't see it. Um, I will say, I'll say, you know what? I'll go a little different. I'll, I'll say Tampa in five. Okay. I'll say, I'll say Tampa. I, I think they're going to be hard fought games, maybe a couple overtimes. But uh, I have the lightning in five. Like, I just think they're, they're too much, to put it in the simplest way. They're, they're just way too much. Yeah, th- this team is loaded top to bottom. You just look throughout their lineup. Like, I, I would stack their lineup up against any team in the National Hockey League at full strength. And, yeah. you know, they added David Savard on the back end. And, yeah, you get Kucherov and Stamkos back. Like, I mean... Good night. This and is, now this they've is, won. They have the experience. Exactly. Like, now yeah. this is a team that knows how to win, you know, when their back's up against the wall and these tight checking games in the playoffs. Like, this is a team that knows how to get the job done. And I think Kucherov is just going to seamless, seamlessly fit right back in and be the Kucherov that we've seen in the past. So I, I can't wait to see how Kucherov and the Lightning play in this series. But awesome. saying that, Lapore, now let's move on to the other playoff series in the central division Mm -hmm. we got the carolina hurricanes and the nashville predators do you want to go first on this one um no you keep going you go first we'll keep going with you okay I'll, i'll start it off so i have a massive man crush on this carolina hurricanes team i love this team to me the jerks they're the jerks are one of the top five teams in the national hockey league. Like for me, I have the elite teams and I've seen other people talk about this on Twitter. I got Colorado, Toronto, Tampa, Carolina as basically like, I think those are like the four best teams in the NHL this year. This hurricanes team, man, they're deep, especially down the middle. You're going Sebastian Ajo, Vincent Trocek, who had that terrible leg injury a couple of seasons ago. Then he gets traded to Carolina, and now he's back to the Trocheck of old. He's a point-of-game player. Andrei Svechnikov, Martin Natchez had a really good season. Oh, my God. They're back end with Dougie Hamilton, Jacob Slavin. I mean, Hamilton's this- been good this year, man. He's been oh. with a lot of chirping his career. Good for him. Man. Hamilton's for just kid. an awesome player. I just look at this lineup. Then you add in, like, Jordan Stahl as a depth piece up front as well. Like, this is a team from top to bottom that I just think is a very, very good hockey team. Like you want to score goals, you want to defend, you want to even, you want to play fast, you want to play physical. And even their goaltending is good too. Alex Nedeljkovic, who kind of came out of nowhere over the last couple of seasons, he had an awesome year. Peter Morazic was injured this season, but in the limited games that he played, he was really good. So I just look at this Hurricanes team. I think they're absolutely loaded. So I got 
let's let's give Nashville because listen, Nashville's actually been playing well the last little while, and even closing out the season, they've actually kind of quietly been like one of the hottest teams in the league. But man, this Hurricanes team is deep. I got Canes in five, Lapore. Oh, five games. Okay. Well, unlike you, my uh, crush is not on the Hurricanes uh, lineup. It is on their coach, uh, Rod the Bod. Fair enough. Oh, man. I love Rod the Bod, man. He's got footage of him in the gym. Like, it's hilarious. Oh, my like, God. He's a he's a friggin' beast, man. He kicked the <laughs> shit out of any... I, I take him... Like, like they say, like, those jokes. Oh, like, coaches Royal Rumble. Like, just get out of the way because Rod is winning the coach. Oh, he's Royal number Rumble. one on the power rankings. It, yeah. Like 18 seconds. He's just throwing people out, but uh, I'm with you. The Canes, like that's a lot of depth, just a lot of nice pieces, a lot of nice pieces. Like you go through it and guys that are easy to root for and just being, let's, let's call a spade a spade because they are the Carolina hurricanes. They're going to be underrated. Guys are not going to get a lot of attention. This is going to be, if they are able to go on a run, it's going to be a wake-up call to a lot of hockey fans on how good some of these players are. You touched on Nashville. They kind of got hot at the end. Nashville's kind of had a weird year. Um, some injuries. Like I, Last time I checked, I think Yossi led their team in scoring simply because like he just played the most games and they didn't have a forward passing. They had a lot of injuries up front. And they do have a lot of experience, and Nashville's going to play a certain way. But uh, I just think that Carolina team is uh too much and uh i'm gonna say it man i'm gonna say i'm gonna say a sweep Ooh, i like it Laporte. Let, let's have some fun i'm gonna say the hurricanes make a huge statement in the first round and they sweep the nashville Pre- you know what i do like nashville's goaltending maybe i'll say five or is okay. it too late is it like a review thing i'm not no, no. To I, i'll i'll let you uh i'll let you no. uh revise that that's okay. yeah not, not that I'll, am I going to be held to this by all the hurricanes and national better. They're going to come at you, man. <laughs> yeah. all the Four slash five games is what maybe, uh, maybe the goaltending of Nashville uh, gets, uh, gets uh, Yaros. Maybe Yaros gets a win for yeah, uh, the Preds, and, but. And Lepore, you nailed it. Roman Yossi led the team in scoring. This is not pretty. 33 points in 48 games. Yeah, there, there, there was injuries though, right? There like, were like injuries, Forsberg and, but man, for that, I mean, to be fair, Philip Forsberg was almost at a point a game. He had 32 points in 39 games, and he missed a chunk of the season. But, okay. yeah, that, that's a team that offensively that just simply cannot hang with this Hurricanes team. So we're both in agreement. Canes are, are the dominant team in this spot. So we both got Canes in five. So, Lapore, the final two series to run through here in the West Division, a division that low-key was pretty trash this season. Everyone yes. likes to to bang on the North division and say the Leafs and Oilers were playing all these cupcake teams, the West division. Have you guys looked at the standings in the West division? Bad. I mean, there are some brutal teams and you know, Colorado and Vegas and Minnesota beat up on all those teams this year. But Laporte, let's start things off with the Colorado avalanche taking on the St. Louis blues. So I'm going to say this right now. <laughs> I'm a Leaf fan. Obviously, I want the Leafs to win the Stanley Cup, and I think they're one of the elite teams in the league. But I think the Colorado Avalanche are the best team in the NHL. And that is not okay. just because they won the President's Trophy. You look at this team at five on five, they are absolutely ridiculous. Whether yeah. McKinnon is on the ice, off the ice, like this team has just been unbelievable all season at five on five. They got star power for days. You got McKinnon, Rantanen, Landis Cog. Their secondary scoring with Kadri and Barakovsky. Their decor. I'm in love with their decor. Kale McCarr, Sam Gerrard, Devin Taves. 
Bowen Byram. Like, I mean, this team from top to bottom, I love the talent. I love the depth. There's, there's some other guys that I didn't even mention at forward. And, and then you got Grubauer and Nett, who's been one of the best goalies in the NHL this season. And I think Colorado just absolutely annihilates the blues in this year. Yeah. I got, I got avalanche in four and I know okay. I've seen some models out there on Twitter. Some of the stats guys tweeting out that the avalanche are one of the biggest favorites of the last like decade of any first round series that we've seen. But okay. I think it's an absolute wrap. I think Colorado steamrolls past, past the blues in a sweep. Yeah, I have it the same. Like I'll pick, um, there's not much to talk about. Like you, you said it all, this lineup is just too much. They can kill you in so many ways. If they need goaltending, they have goaltending. As hockey fans, we've been slapped in the face before when we're thinking that it is the year for a certain team. But right now, let's say it like it really does does feel like the year of the Colorado Avalanche, even though they went with blue pants, which is like, yeah, I'm not a, a fan of that either. I, I go I back and forth. Gonna like that. I, I go back Michael and poor was going to hate. Yeah, that. I go back and forth because I, I I chirp teams sometimes for like not taking enough risks. So like I do like when teams uh, do something different, but the blue pants, the, I, I'm still up in the air on that one. Oh, As I watch okay. them more in the playoffs, I'll let you know. Okay. But you said this team's loaded. They can beat you so many ways. They're the favorite. I'm the favorite to win the Stanley Cup. I'll say, can we even say anything about St. Louis? <laughs> I'll say, uh, I'll say Colorado in five in this one. We'll take, uh, we'll, we'll take the Avalanche okay. in five. Yeah. And just one thing, actually, a note to pass along about the Blues. David Perron, who was, I believe he was their leading scorer, he has been placed on the COVID list. I saw that. Now so that that's it, a complete yeah. nightmare for that Blues team. And listen, like, I mean, the Blues won the Stanley Cup recently. We know that, you know, they know how to play playoff hockey. But, I mean, it's, it's just not their time against this avalanche yeah. team like this this team is just from top to bottom they are just so so good and yeah i'm just looking at the numbers here perron did lead the blues in scoring this year 58 points in 56 games and, and just looking at at the blues you know in total like they had a minus one goal differential this season yeah like they're coming into the playoffs as like one of the worst of the 16 teams lavore so yeah I, I just don't have a lot of confidence in this team right now um, Bennington hasn't played that well this season. So yeah, I mean, we're both on the same page there with Colorado. Yeah. After um, Perron O'Reilly, it's like, you've had guys who've had like, okay seasons. Like, I mean, like Hoffman surprised people. He had a good season. Like they still have, um, Braden Shen, but it's just the depth. Like you look at the, the totality of it. Like you never want to say there's no way, but if there's ever no chance, like <laughs> we're getting there we're, we sure yeah. are getting there with this series. Yeah, and especially the, the high-end talent of Colorado, like just give me those those top guns all day over these guys on the St. Louis Blues. But I don't think there's any more to talk about there, Lapore. But now we have a very interesting series, which very well could be the best first-round series of the entire playoffs. Yep. The Vegas Golden Knights taking on the Minnesota Wild. Yeah. And... A lot of people are under the impression that Vegas is this incredible team, you know, one of the Stanley Cup favorites. And when you do look at the underlying numbers, the Vegas Golden Knights are good. You look at them at yeah. five on five, you look at the Corsi numbers, the scoring chance differential, you know, how they've outscored teams at five on five, just in goal differential. They're a really good team. Um, but there's some numbers that we can 
we can peel back here, Lapore. Should I should I give the people the numbers on the Vegas Golden Knights real quick? The runway is yours, Anthony Bruno. All right. So when you look at this Vegas Golden Knights team, okay, and, and this is something that I alluded to before we got into the Avalanche series, is that the West Division was terrible this fucking season, sucks that division it oh was my God. bad and it, like i said people love to chirp the north division and saying connor mcdavid and austin matthews put an asterisk because everything they did was against all these terrible canadian division teams no so when you look at the vegas golden knights this year against the anaheim ducks san jose sharks and la kings the three california teams okay they went 21 3 and 0 against those teams but against the colorado avalanche and minnesota wild the actual good team the good teams, (laughs) the actual hockey teams in this division exactly the actual hockey teams vegas was seven eight and one against those teams so this is a tough spot for vegas this is a serious coming first and coming first in that division was huge to avoid minnesota man that that was that wasn't a that wasn't talked about enough uh during this season Big time. But Lepore, saying all that, uh, I mean, I, I kind of want to pick Minnesota. <laughs> saying all that, I have Vegas. <laughs> I do have Vegas. At the end of the day, Lepore, I have Vegas in seven oh. in, this, in this series against Minnesota. But okay. yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough spot. Minnesota's a really good team. with They got some high-end talent on that roster. You could even argue they have more talent than Vegas, just based on like names on paper. But what's your take on this series, man? So you have Vegas in seven. Okay. I've always said there's a big difference, hockey fans, and look yourself in the mirror for this one. There's a big difference between what you think will happen and what you want to happen. Sometimes as fans, we scream out what we want to happen and we're not as objective as we should be. But I'm going to throw that in the trash on this one because I like this Minnesota Wild team. I like the swagger they have. Kirill Kurpasov has been an amazing addition to the National Hockey League. I'm going to root for that kid his entire career. I am going to go with the Minnesota Wild winning this series in six games. Woo! Yes. And people can call me a homer to a team because I like their uh, their jerseys. <laughs> but for one thing, I'm kind of I'm rooting for Minnesota like broadly too because they're the last little while they've been called a team. Oh, this team's boring. They're beige. They're just kind of there. They're a barely a playoff first round exit team. And there's all this pump for Vegas because it is Vegas and give me a break. Those gold helmets, like get the hell out of here. Come on. But I'm rooting for Minnesota. So I'm going to pick Minnesota and I'm saying, and you brought up those numbers, man. And the trash in that division did not get brought up enough and how teams were just beating up on those bottom teams. And I like the wild, man. I'm going to say it. I'm rooting for the wild. So I'm going to pick the wild. Wild and six. I'm looking forward to it. I love it, Lapore. Honestly, I, I think this is totally in play. I think a lot of people, you know, there's this narrative that, that's floating around out there that Vegas is just this great team. And, you know, even looking back to their inaugural season, getting to the cup final against Washington. Like, I think people are just under the impression that this team is just like really good. But when you actually peel it back and even when you look at their roster too, like we were talking about this before the show, like can Mark Stone be the best player on a championship winning team? As good as Mark Stone is on yeah. both sides of the puck, can he be your best player on a championship winning team? Like, I don't know, man. I just look at that team and like they're they're relying on dudes, obviously like Max Pacioretty as well. 
And then you look at their center depth, Chandler Stevenson, William Carlson, and Nicholas Waugh are their top three centers. So yeah. it's I mean, like, they're a really good team, but it's that whole thing of like, are they Colorado, Tampa, like those teams, like, no, on paper, they are not like objectively they are not. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? So I, I just think that this is a prime spot here for the Minnesota wild. And you said a Lapore getting first in this division was so, so important to avoid this wild team because they are totally in play for an upset here. And honestly, like we've talked about, like, I don't even think it would be that big of an upset no, if they beat be. this Vegas Golden Knights team. So that's going to be a hell of a series, man. And I can't wait. Even though I picked Vegas, I'm with you. I, I think I'm cheering for the Wild in this series yeah, as well. But oh, Minnesota, uh, man. It's, it's going to be awesome, man. But Lepore, before we wrap up this whole podcast, any, any final thoughts heading into the playoffs? Leafs, Habs, May 20th, game one. Um, just give me your final thoughts, man. Well, it's time. I mean, from the start of this season, we thought the Maple Leafs would be in this spot, a one seed versus a four seed playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And it has arrived. And there's probably never in my life been more expectation on a Toronto Maple Leafs team. So it's exciting. It lines up great for this show in the way that we have uh, two games uh, before our, uh, our next episode. So hopefully uh, the next show is a happy one as opposed to a miserable full panic mode one. Big time, Lepore. You said it. I mean, Leaf fans, Habs fans have been waiting for this for a long time. I mean, this is the best <laughs> Leafs team that I've seen in my lifetime. They're the most well-rounded team. I'm so excited for this playoff run. The stage is set. They have a pretty, I don't want to call it, easy road to the final four but a lot of people have big expectations when it comes to the toronto maple leafs this season so we will see if they can handle the pressure and get the job done and that is all going to start on thursday may 20th in game one at home against the montreal canadians so that is going to do it for episode 19 of the gluttons for punishment podcast or gfp a toronto maple leafs and nhl podcast hosted by michael lapore and Anthony Bruno, it would be a big time help to all the listeners out there. If you go on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review, that would be huge. And then of course, if you're watching us on YouTube, smash that like button, subscribe to the channel and ring the notification bell. So you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. So that is going to do it for this episode. For Michael Lapore. I'm Anthony Bruno, and we will see you guys in the next one. Thanks, everyone. Because I'm not going to go slow.